0: the most accurate podcast. Uh, I'm Anthony Stalter. I apologize for not being on either pod last week. Um, for those wondering, I know John kind of gave you an update maybe on Friday, but my daughter's doing well. She, uh, she's, she had pneumonia, came down with pneumonia, so it was kind of a, a scary week for us. Um, but uh, looking forward to jumping back on the pod here with John Paulson who joins me now. What's up, JP? Not a whole lot. How are you doing? Uh, good. After, like I said, a hectic, hectic week, but looking forward to
1: just talking about fantasy football now for the the next you don't want you don't want to talk about the falcons at packers (laughs)
0: i'll just i'll tell you what i congratulate you john on on your team beating basically a corpse for four (laughs) for for four quarters but congratulations to your pack
1: yeah i I had a um, vision of mike mccarthy just muttering that it was just but this is the falcons it's the falcons (laughs)
0: <laughs> well when they went down and scored right away I'm like well maybe maybe they got a little juiced and then once Ryan threw the pick six it was pretty much over but uh nice nice performance by Aaron Rodgers I felt like he he escaped pressure for most of the day and kept ext- extending plays and the Falcons are a mess I mean I, I thought maybe they Arthur Blank has supported Dan Quinn every every week after losses but I thought yesterday maybe maybe that, that could have been it for him but apparently not
1: well, I don't think that the Arthur Blank really cares about the Falcons anymore. Atlanta United won the MLS Championship, uh, the, the Cup, the previous night or the, last right. week. So, you know, that's the team in town now.
0: At least he's winning somewhere. Yeah. Tell us about the music, and then we'll dive into the pod.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry I don't have more information about this particular artist, but it's, it's called Norm- he's called Norman, and that's all I know about him. Uh, he's got two EPs on Spotify. The name of the track is uh, Right Time and... Um, as I mentioned, he's two EPs. that each have three songs on it. Uh, I, I tried to do a search on, on Google, but all you, when all you have is Norman and music to work, you know, go on, you end up with like music festivals in Norman, Oklahoma and, and stuff like that as your top <laughs> results. So he's a pretty new artist and, but the track's really good. And I listened to the other five tracks that he's got on Spotify and they're all real good. So, uh, check it out.
0: All right, let's dive into the injuries from Week 14. We'll start off with Big Ben. So he started the second half of Sunday's game against the Raiders. The Raiders shockingly uh, came from behind to beat Pittsburgh. It was just a wild game. He was on the sideline in the second half, but then came in towards the end to try to help spark a comeback for the for the Steelers. What he did was he suffered a rib injury, and he's, he's now day-to-day. It's unclear if he suffered any broken ribs or if he just strained some of the tissue around the area. It, it seems like uh, this, this is a pretty big concern moving forward. How does this impact not only Big Ben, but uh, guys like Antonio Brown, John?
1: Well, they're, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 7-5-1, and one, so I would doubt that they would um, shut him down uh, at this point. If he's able to finish the game yesterday, I would think that he'd be able to play in, in seven days or whatever it is. So um, I would expect him to be out there.
0: All right, Tyreek Hill moving to him. He sprained a wrist. He's got a bruised heel. He's day-to-day. Hill hurt the the wrist early in the game. They ended up hurting his heel as well, which required some attention to determine what the problem was. He was able to get out there and finish the game, though, so it doesn't look like it's too too big of a problem for Tyreek Hill owners.
1: Yeah, he said his, uh, his foot injury was bad. That's what the quote was. But he was able to finish the game. He also had a wrist injury that he was kind of in and out of the game with that as well. But uh, again, if, they, if a player finishes a game, I feel pretty good about them playing the following week.
0: Alright, sticking with that same game, Spencer Wares also day to day strained his shoulder. It's unclear what type of injury he's currently dealing with, but I mean he was pretty effective against uh a Stout Ravens defense. Stayed in the game, did finish it, so likely he's gonna be okay.
1: Uh yeah, and if uh if he can't go, you look at Damian Williams as the you know, the primary back there. Uh but again, he played uh finished he was playing in the second half. Damien Williams ended up scoring two touchdowns, I think, so uh, if Ware can't go, he'd be a good pickup and uh, and start fo- the following week.
0: Staying with running backs now, Isaiah Crowell left that victory over the the Bills with a foot injury. Look, it, it could be related to that toe injury that that sidelined Crowell in practice in the week. Uh, do you want to talk about just the the Jets RBBC at this situation too? I mean, you got Trenton Cannon and Elijah McGuire, and they seemingly are using all these guys.
1: Yeah, they have the. The unfortunate thing here is that uh, they have the Texans in Week 15, their fourth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, but Elijah McGuire came in and had 17 carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he also He's also a good pass catcher. He was originally tabbed to be the third down back for the Jets this year before his injury in, uh, early in the season in August. Um, he had three catches for 23 yards. He ended up scoring 17.3 fantasy points, PPR formats. Uh, he's going to be one of these, uh, probably be one of these high-usage uh, not that effective type players uh, in Week 15 due to the matchup with the with the Texans. Trenton Cannon did have five carries uh, and one catch, so you're looking at like a 20 to six uh, touch ratio there for McGuire if if Crowell can't go. So I, I would look at him as the lead back, and as if you you know if you need a um, a running back as in a spot start, uh, he wouldn't be a bad one due to volume.
0: Lost in that wild ending in the Dolphins-Patriots game was the fact that Ryan Tannehill pretty much gutted out uh, a a, toe injury or sprained foot is actually what it was. It was was a sprained foot that he suffered in the first half. Brock Osweiler had to come in for a little bit. I was surprised to see Tannehill come back in, but he wound up throwing for three touchdowns on 14 of 19 passes for 265 yards. Again, it was mostly the the end of the game there, where the Dolphins were able to win. But kind of a gutsy performance by Tannehill, concerning some of his his wide receivers are down. Is there any fantasy impact here?
1: Uh well, it's Brian Tannehill, so you just don't know what you're going to get. He, you know, two two touchdowns against Indy in Week 12, three against Buffalo in Week 13, three against New England in Week 14. You know, prior to this. 265-yard, three-touchdown day against uh, New England, You know he had less than 204 passing yards in his previous four games. Uh, so it's just not a high-volume pass offense. He still only attempted 19 passes yesterday. Uh, he averaged om- almost 14 yards per attempt, so it was highly efficient for him. Uh, but a Week 15 date in Minnesota, I don't think there's, there's much going on here with Tannehill. Then he, then he has to play uh, Jacksonville in Week 16.
0: Uh, It's kind of a similar theme here with Sam Darnold, John. He completed 16 of 24 passes for 170 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown was basically a broken play where he ran around backyard football style and found his receiver, uh, Robbie Anderson, in in the red zone. The Jets wound up winning the game, Um, but there's – there's not much to glean here from from fantasy. If he doesn't play, Josh McCown is in. But I don't think Josh McCown, I don't think either guy's a fantasy option at this point, right?
1: Yeah, maybe if they were playing, uh, they had a great matchup or something in Week 15. But again, they play the Texans, and uh, that's just not a good matchup right now. All
0: right, Jordan Reed tight end for the Redskins, sprained his foot. Vernon Davis is the backup. Reed suffered the foot injury in the first quarter, and he did not return. Do you like Vernon Davis at all? Uh, in that in that nasty Washington offense led by Mark Sanchez right now.
1: Yeah, he got benched too, so I don't know. You know, it's hard. To, like normally, if this was Alex Smith, I would say Vernon Davis is a nice streaming option with uh, readout. He had seventy nine percent snap rate yesterday, and when he gets that sort of snap rate, the targets are going to come. He had he did have four targets, caught all four for thirty one yards, but you can't imagine this offense is going to be very good given the, the quarterback situation there.
0: All right, Austin Eckler, and we can kind of talk about the Chargers running back situation in this one. So Austin Eckler is week to week because of a stinger. He suffered the stinger late in the game against the Bengals while attempting to recover an onside kick. That game was a lot closer uh, than anybody thought. I'm going to ask you a question about some of the waiver wire running backs this week, but you could talk about Justin Jackson uh, in this spot What's your thought on Melvin Gordon's return if Eckler winds up missing a week? Do you like Justin Jackson at all? How do you break down this Chargers backfield situation from a fantasy standpoint?
1: Yeah, the number one thing is whether or not Melvin Gordon will be back. If he's back, then Justin Jackson's going to have little to no value because Gordon will be the primary back. And this is a Week 15 matchup with the Chiefs, and this is the game that we thought that Gordon would be coming back for. Uh, It's a showdown uh, this Thursday, I believe. So disappointing output from these two running backs as a whole against the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals have been giving up just boatloads of yards and fantasy points to, to running backs. And these two managed 78 yards rushing combined in a touchdown, which isn't bad, 53 yards um, and no touchdowns in the passing game. But I think we were expecting even more. We were expecting 150, 200 yards from these two combined in this sort of a matchup and, uh, just didn't come to fruition. Justin Jackson never got it going. Seven carries for twelve yards. Eckler's uh, production was not bad. It was you know over four yards per carry. Fifteen carries, sixty six yards, and of course he added the two catches for twenty twenty eight yards. So uh, we'll have to see how it shakes out in practice this week. My guess is that Gordon will be back for the Chiefs game, and um, Jackson won't have a whole lot of value. But if he can't, if Gordon can't make it back, then Jackson's going to be like the last man standing here. If if Eckler <laughs> is out with that stinger.
0: All right, I, I mentioned it. I wanted to get your thoughts on some of these waiver-wire running backs that were picked up a week ago because of injuries and just get your thoughts on whether or not you would use these guys if they were starters again this week. The two You you just mentioned Justin Jackson. The two uh, other running backs there, Jeff Wilson rushed 23 times for 90 yards in that victory over the Broncos. He also added a six-yard reception filling in for Matt Breida, he also out-touched Alfred Morris 24-3, to so Wilson got some some big-time carries yesterday against Denver. The other running back is Jalen Samuels, who was filling in for James Conner. He only rushed 11 times for 28 yards, but he did catch seven passes for 64 yards. So your thoughts on those two running backs, if, if you're a, an owner that is desperate at the running back position and you're, you're counting on one of these two fill-ins, what are your thoughts on those guys?
1: Well, the, for both players, the workload was there. Uh, they just didn't find the end zone. Samuels had 18 touches. Uh, over, you know, let's see here. It looks like it's 80, 92 total yards, uh, nine point two standard, sixteen point two in PPR formats. They have a matchup with the uh, with the Patriots, which isn't a great matchup. But if if the Patriots jump out to a lead, you could see Samuels getting another seven. Uh, catches in that one, and he's going to be a, a factor in PPR formats. I think the, you know, PPR production is great. The standard production was kind of, eh, you know, maybe if he could just only find the end zone, he would have had 15 points. Uh, and that would have been significantly better, obviously for for Samuels. But the the backfield shake, uh, you know, shook out the way, kind of the way we thought. I think he actually got more um, carries relative to uh, Stephen Ridley than I thought. It was 11 to 5 ratio there, which is actually pretty impressive for for Samuels, who hasn't played a whole lot of running back in his career. As for Wilson, um, again, workload, 23 carries. uh, It just wasn't that efficient. It was 90 yards rushing, uh, which isn't bad, but he just had the one catch for six yards after uh, catching a lot of passes last week. They they used him on a lot of screens against Seattle last week. Uh, He had eight catches for 73 yards in the previous week, and they play uh, Seattle again at home uh, next week. So I would ex- expect Seattle to be ready for some more screens, but th- with the way that the uh, they didn't really use him in the passing game against Denver, maybe he can sneak up and uh, catch some passes as well because this is, again, a good a good production, uh, 96 total yards, good workload, 24 touches, uh, just didn't find the end zone and didn't catch a whole lot of passes to be much of a factor in a PPR formats.
0: I wanted to ask you too about Jarvis Landry. He caught three or four targets for fifty-seven yards and a touchdown in that victory over the Panthers. He also added two carries for fifty-four yards. He made a couple of high rate right, highlight real plays. Now he also had a lazy fumble where he was carrying the ball in his in, in his uh, hand and not in his arm and had the ball knocked out right after halftime. But my question is, do you feel as though that Jarvis Landry is starting to become safe again as a wide receiver three
1: moving forward? Yeah, he in the first month of the season he was pretty good. Uh, he was seeing double-digit t- touches or uh, targets most games, most weeks. Uh, and then he had this lull in, in the midseason where he just wasn't able to uh, generate much yardage. He was doing okay in PPR formats. He had a, a nice game against Tampa in Week 7, 25, 26 points in PPR. Uh, and then Pittsburgh was eight catches for 39 yards, which is fine. And, you know, a 12-point game in PPR, but only four in in standard. And then, you know, Atlanta, 2.2 points against them in standard Cincinnati three points against them these are really good matchups and he was kind of blowing his opportunity and then the last two weeks six for 103 and nine targets against Houston three for 57 and a touchdown on four targets against Carolina plus the the rushes that you mentioned uh, they ran a nice little play misdirection to get him the rushing touchdown uh, which was was nice to see and just to see him involved again, um, I think he's becoming more trustworthy now. And you, you have a week uh, fifteen matchup with Denver, and you know, without likely without uh, Chris Harris at, in the slot there, he should be pretty productive. And then again, he they play uh, Cincinnati in week sixteen, so maybe he can have a better game than he did in week twelve.
0: Ian Thomas. So staying with that same game, Ian Thomas is the replacement for Greg Olson at at the tight end position for the Panthers. He saw 11 targets. He caught nine passes for 77 yards. I felt as though that every time I, you know, while watching that game, anytime there was a short, short catch to be made, it was it was Cam Newton going to Ian Thomas. Given how limited the options are for fantasy owners at tight end, where do you think you'll have Ian Thomas in your rankings on Tuesday?
1: This is a nice uh, workload for him, and actually, TJ Hernandez, who filled in for you on Friday, suggested uh, you know, Ian Thomas over uh, guys like Trey Burton. And I kind of chuckled at him. I thought Trey Burton would have a nice game against the Rams with Mitch Trubisky back, and uh, I didn't realize that the both offenses in that game would totally go on the tank. But uh, <laughs> so, shout out to, to TJ for that uh, call. Uh, we knew his playing time was going to jump, but he had quite a bit of playing time early in the season. He'd, just didn't see a whole lot of work. He had two targets, three targets, five targets first three weeks. Had six targets against the Giants in week five. And then Olsen came back, and uh, he went back to the bench, basically. And then the last two weeks, with Olsen missing most of the game against the Bucks, he had five targets, five catches for 46 yards, and then nine for 77 and 11 targets uh, this week against Cleveland. The problem that I see coming for him in week 15 is a tough, really tough matchup against the Saints, who are fourth in adjusted fantasy points a lot to tight ends. So uh, not a great matchup for him there. in Week 16, he plays your Falcons, so there might be some uh, startability there.
0: All right, one more fantasy quick hitter question for you, and then we'll move on to some RBBC situations. And, and there are some messes right now around the league. Uh, Deshaun, Ham- Deshaun Hamilton... Caught seven of nine targets for 47 yards and a touchdown in that loss to the 49ers yesterday. I bring up Hamilton because with Emmanuel Sanders out for the season and the Broncos starting Case Keenum, who loves to pepper the slot receiver, is Hamilton kind of a nice option for fantasy owners looking for a wide receiver three?
1: Yeah, this is another TJ Hernandez special here. He brought him up as his uh, sneaky start at the wide receiver position, and it was a great call, especially in full point PPR seventeen point seven uh, fantasy points there. Uh, Cortland Sutton didn't do much of anything. Uh, so, as you mentioned, as TJ mentioned, Keenum likes to throw to the slot, and he ended up peppering him with targets nine nine targets for him. So. Played 97% of the snaps, which is excellent. Uh, and the matchup this week uh, against Cleveland isn't really daunting at all. Week 15, uh, the 15th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh, wide receivers. So I think he'll be a pretty good PPR play.
0: All right, some RBBC situations. We'll start off with the Bears. It, it looks like, John, that they're going to use both backs. Jordan Howard had 19 carries for 101 yards with a 5.3 average yesterday, uh, last night against the Rams. And then you had Terry Cohen, who had nine carries for 69 yards, he also caught four passes for 20 yards. Neither saw the end zone, but as I mentioned, it, it would have, it would feel as though that both guys are, are going to be used. Do you feel safe with using both as RB 2s assuming you have one of the two backs?
1: Well, Howard will be used if he gets it going early, because you look at his game log, and there's some ugly, really ugly games in here, uh, especially recently, 11 for 21. Against Detroit, 1.1, 1.91 yards per carry, so they didn't stick with him in that game. Uh, at Detroit, 7 for 13, 1.86 yards per carry in that one. Uh, he has some games earlier in the season, uh, Tampa 11 for 25, 14 for 35. It, it seems like in that first 10 or 12 carries, if he doesn't have 50, 60 yards, then they start to uh, abandon Howard. Uh, so you have to look at him as, you know, how's he going to do what the matchup is. And the next two weeks look pretty good. The Packers are really banged up along the defensive line. They're 19th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Even uh, Tevin Coleman got it going a little bit yesterday against, uh, against them. And he had been terrible in the previous two or three weeks uh, running the ball. Uh, and then in week 16, uh, Howard will face... Uh, the 49ers, uh, 20th in just of fantasy points allowed to running backs, so that's a game that the Bears should be able to control and uh, run the ball quite a bit. So uh, there's always the risk here with him because he's, he's caught one pass in five straight games and he hasn't caught multiple passes since week three. Uh, so if if the running game's not going, then uh, he has a tough time uh, scoring fantasy points for you.
0: Okay, so there's a good news, bad bad news situation. If you have one of the Ravens backs, you know that Baltimore is going to run the football as much as much as humanly possible during a game with Lamar Jackson under center. He carried 13 times for 71 yards against the Chiefs. Gus Edwards 16 carries for 67 yards. But here's the guy I wanted to talk to you talk to you about. Kenneth Dixon had eight carries, 59 yards. If you watch the game, man, he ran hard. He had a couple of really nice runs, and he also had a touchdown. What would be your advice to anybody thinking about Ken, adding Kenneth Dixon and what's your advice to Gus Edwards
1: owners? Well, I think you're looking at a matchup here in week 15 when they pay, face the Bucks. So this is a favorable matchup for this offense and this running game. So, uh, Edwards has, has been pretty safe in terms of his workload. He's got 37 carries over the last two weeks. Uh, even with Dixon's role expanding a little bit, he still saw 16 carries for 67 yards. They just got Dixon more involved, and he ended up with you know 8 for 59, uh, really running the ball well, and then got the touchdown on top of it and a 21-yard catch. And then they just kind of went away from Ty Montgomery, who had been catching the ball quite a bit out of the backfield, but now it looks like Dixon um, is taking his – Uh, workload a little bit so in you know one place I look for sneaky starts on a weekly basis is the second running back uh, in you know a run heavy offense that is has a nice matchup and that's exactly the the situation that Dixon's in uh, heading into week 15.
0: All right I want to talk to you about both teams that played yesterday in that wild finish between the Dolphins and the Patriots let's start off with the Dolphins Frank Gore 12 carries 92 yards Kenyon Drake disappeared. Six carries for only 24 yards. He only caught one pass. He went for 55 yards and a touchdown, though. So uh, if you had him, that that obviously is the good is is the good news. But then there's Brandon Bolden. He had two carries for 60 yards and he had two touchdowns. So what do you make of this Miami
1: backfield? I was wondering how they were going to score that lateral touchdown that Drake had because they, well, I guess they ended up calling it a catch for 55 yards right. and a touchdown, right? Yes. Um, that's. I don't know, that's a little strange to me. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure PPR owners are happy to have that extra point. I thought it would be just a, a run or something. I don't know. Uh, it was a weird play. But imagine if the Dolphins actually got Drake the ball on regular plays. What he'd be able to do. Well, uh, John,
0: I mean, why why mess with something that's working? I would try to run that lateral play as much as possible.
1: Yeah, uh, Frank Gore has, has been running the ball well, so I can understand it. 12 for 92 against the Patriots last uh, yesterday. So I think the Bolden thing was mainly an old team theorem thing. I don't know how he – I have to look at the his plays there. I don't know how he scored two touchdowns on two touches for 60 yards. It's just incredible. But uh, I don't think that's a long-term thing with Bolden. Uh, I think he got a couple opportunities there because he was playing against his old team. We're just – we're at the same place we've been all year with this offense and this running game. It's, it's Frank Gore, as long as he's healthy, he's going to siphon off 10 to 15 carries uh, at least. And uh, Drake is going to suffer for it. And his he's been up and down. Uh, and then the next two weeks, it's not pretty. It's at Minnesota and then Jacksonville at home, although Jacksonville just got completely torched by Derrick Henry. So maybe that matchup is not as bad. Uh, as it'll seem, I'm sure when the, we run the AFPA numbers here tomorrow, uh, Jacksonville won't be second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs after that uh, Derrick Henry game.
0: All right, I wanted to mention the Patriots as well. Sony Michelle, 20 carries, only 57 yards, did not have a good good game against that Miami front. He also didn't catch a pass; he wasn't targeted. James White, four carries, 13 yards. He only had two catches for 15 yards, and then they. they then there's Cordero Patterson, who didn't have a run but caught a, a screen pass at one point, had a touchdown, two catches, 51 yards on three targets. And, of course, James Devlin, the fullback, had one carry, two yards, and it was a touchdown. And he seems to be siphoning off some, some of the, the goal line carries. I, I mean, I don't know where, where you go to unpack this New England situation, but, but what's your, your best advice for fantasy owners that have any of these backs?
1: And did you mention Rex Burkhead?
0: I did not mention yes, Rex Burkhead. Four, you had five touches. You know. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so this is like a five-headed, uh, we thought it might be a three-headed uh, backfield, but it's five-headed if you count Patterson and Devlin. And I don't know how you can't call him Devlin at this point because he's got three touchdowns in the last uh, two weeks. Uh, five carries, seven yards, three touchdowns for James Devlin playing 47% of the snaps, 43% of the snaps. Uh, this is tough. Uh, James White's was the most, uh, I guess, reliable player in this, in this backfield for most of the season. Uh, you're looking at a week 15 matchup against Pittsburgh, uh, probably going to favor white, uh, in terms of the, of the ability of the Patriots to run the ball. Maybe they end up throwing the ball a little bit more against, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, their 10th and just a fancy points allowed to running back. So probably lead to more catches for white than anything else. And then Buffalo in week 16, they should all have some opportunities to make plays. But as you mentioned, uh, just not good production from Sony. Michel. got the touches that you want him to get, uh, at this point. I mean, the last three weeks, 21 carries, 17 carries, 20 carries. Uh, so that production's all there. It's just, especially like the last two weeks, 63 yards rushing, 57 yards rushing, and he's not really producing, um, And he's not getting any touchdowns either, which is what would normally save a a Patriots running back. So this is kind of a nightmare.
0: And then you have the Eagles, who had that back-and-forth game with the Cowboys, wound up being a a wildly entertaining fourth quarter. Josh Adams, seven carries, 36 yards. He had a 5.1 yards per carry average, so it wasn't like he was being bottled up too much. But Wendell Smallwood got a carry, Sproles got a carry, Wentz wound up carrying the ball four times. Corey Clement got a, a got a carry at one point. Sproles also had three catches for 34 yards and a touchdown. I thought that we were to the point, John, where we could trust at least Josh Adams in this offense. But, I mean, it, it's Russian roulette now with these Philadelphia Eagles running backs.
1: Yeah, this is, this is what the, the Cowboys especially do to teams. They don't let you run as many plays as you normally play. They ran 52 snaps offensively, the, the Eagles did. Uh, which is low for them. They, and you know, normally you'd be okay with Adams getting 70% of the, of the carries, but when the team only has 10 carries, that's not good. That's not good enough. And it wasn't like, as you mentioned, it wasn't like they were totally bottling him up. It was over five yards per carry. They just didn't stick with it. And then Sproles was getting the passing game work. So uh, this is Again, devolving uh, with Sproles back. It doesn't look like Smallwood and Clement are going to be very involved at all. So it looks like it's going to be Adams and Sproles for the last couple weeks of the fantasy season. But they have the Rams, their seventh in adjusted fantasy points, a lot of running backs. And uh, the Texans, who are fourth in that metric, uh, week 15, week 16. So it's not really a short-term, exciting schedule for, for Josh Adams.
0: All right. Before we go, let's talk a little bit about the Monday night football game because we do have some injury situations to get to, including Doug Baldwin. Here's the latest. At about nine o'clock Eastern Time, uh, Adam Schefter had a report that had a source claim that they wouldn't think Doug Baldwin will play Monday night, but they're not sure. But but they are sure he will try. So a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter they wouldn't think. Doug Baldwin, who's got the hip injury, is a game time decision, will play Monday night, but they're sure that he's going to try. I mean, if you couldn't come up with a more convoluted situation, John, you couldn't come up with one if you tried. Uh what what's your gut what's your gut feel on Baldwin's status? And then what are your thoughts too on David Moore and John uh Jeron Brown if they if Doug Baldwin does not play?
1: Well, when this was news kind of broke this weekend and sound like he was pretty questionable, I moved him way down to wide receiver four territory. And I, I said on Twitter that if you want to wait on Baldwin, which it's okay if you do, hopefully you have a better option on your bench uh, that you could have used yesterday because Baldwin really hasn't been consistent this year at all. So I kind of took him to his season-long uh, distributions and it dropped him all the way and then I actually gave him extra touchdowns and he normally you know a higher percentage of the touchdowns than he has been getting this year and I put him all the way at wide receiver 48 so I sort of left him down there as, as a you know if you want to wait on him pick up right, I guess you're at the point now where you have to do this but uh, you know David Moore is an, is an option and then Jeron Brown those two players will see an increase in snaps if if Baldwin can't play and it the Seattle passing game really has been kind of all over the place in terms of who they're targeting. Although Tyler Lockett has been like the one consistent force in this offense uh, all year, uh, so he's the safest play clearly. But uh, if you're sitting there with Baldwin and you're wondering what to do, your pivot would be either David Moore or Jerron Brown, and I don't, you know, it really doesn't matter which one. There, it, you could flip a coin and uh, to figure out who who's actually going to produce this week against the Vikings.
0: All right, the running back situation for Seattle, if you're wondering, Chris Carson was removed from the Week 14 injury report. That was expected after he practiced fully the last couple of days. Not a great matchup against Minnesota's top 10 run defense, however. And then you got Rashad Penny, who's listed. He's listed as questionable to face the Vikings. Uh, What are your thoughts on Seattle's backfield? And then we'll move quickly to the Vikings.
1: Well, Penny's uh, ankle injury kind of popped up at the end, so I, I moved him down and moved up Mike Davis. Uh, Chris Carson should be fine against the Vikings. The Vikings are obviously a bad matchup, uh, but they sometimes don't show up on the road, so we'll see what they're able to, to do tonight.
0: All right, Minnesota, Stefan Diggs will play. He's dealing with the knee injury, but he's going to suit up against the Seahawks. That's about the only injury concern from uh, the offensive side of things. You've, you've got Trey Wayne's one of their cornerbacks down, but again, that doesn't impact much from a fantasy standpoint. Anything else you're looking at from a Minnesota standpoint?
1: Well, I think Diggs could have a pretty good game against Trey Flowers. He's the worst cornerback there in Seattle in terms of fantasy points per route run. Uh, so if, if if Diggs is feeling okay, then I think he could produce, although he's been moving around the, the, the formation pretty much. He runs almost the same number of snaps on the right side and the left side. So we'll see if uh, the Vikings try to get him more on the left side and to match up with Flowers.
0: All right, that'll do it for John Paulson and I. You can follow John on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. We'll be back on Friday's edition for the Most Accurate Podcast. Get you filled in on week 15, and hopefully you're still in the playoffs after tonight's games. Good luck if you get games on the line, and again, we'll see you on Friday.